If you have your Bibles, turn to Job, the first chapter, the 22nd verse. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I want to talk very briefly about making a wise choice in the midst of tragedy. Making a wise choice in the midst of tragedy. Life is a series of choices. It's important to make wise decisions that line up with scripture and fit the purpose and plan of God. However, it's difficult to make wise choices when you're hurting, angry, confused, unforgiving, and bitter. But we can still do it. How we respond to tragedy and turmoil can either hurt our faith or strengthen us spiritually. And our text is really interesting because chapter 1, we some, see some of the difficulties that Job goes through. First of all, the tragedies in his family as well as his fortune. In chapter 2, we see the tragedies that Job goes through with his health. In chapter 3, we even see the tragedies that Job has of wanting to even still be here on earth. All of us have experienced loss and tragedies at some point. Some has been the loss of loved ones. Others it has been lost in relationships. Others it has been lost in finances. And it's been shattered dreams as well as expectations. Yet in all this, we see that Job went through all of these particular issues. I thought about an individual who went through similar to Job. His name was Lou Gehrig. Lou Gehrig played for the New York Yankees. He was drafted in 1923. He played with the Yankees from 23 to 1939. Amazing baseball player. He played with Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio. Things were going extremely well. And in 1939, his ability began to decrease so much that he decided to step aside and couldn't play anymore. But he said something very, very interesting as he began to say goodbye to baseball. And he said that he had caught a bad break, but yet and still he had something to live for. So even in the midst of the different tragedies and turmoils, we may have felt like, felt like we've caught a bad break in life, yet and still we have something to live for. Job, well, what do you see in Job? Job, even though his circumstance, Job had praise still in his pain. Job also, he persevered through the pitfalls. He persevered from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 42. Not only did he persevere in this pitfall, Job's perspective of God's personhood in that last chapter. By the time he got to the 42nd chapter, he began to see God much differently. He, be, he said, I had heard about God with my ears, but finally I can see God based off of everything that I've been through. So Job's perspective of God's personhood had increased. What unwise choices do we make in tragedy? One, we leave God out of the tragedy. We don't consider God's sovereignty. We don't consider God's will. Well, Chris, why would you share anything about tragedy as we go into the new year? Glad you asked, because as we keep living, we are reminded life is short and it's full of trouble. So we have to have a perspective of how we're going to deal with these things in our life. One, we leave God out of the tragedy. Number two, we ask good questions, but seek answers in the wrong places. We ask good questions like, Lord, why did this happen to me? 
Lord, what are you trying to share with me? Those are very good questions, but we look for wrong answers. I'm, I'm sorry, we look for answers in the wrong places. We look for answers based off of our feelings. We look for answers based off of our emotions. We look for answers based off of our experiences. And we look for answers sometimes based off of other people. Also, how do we handle tragedy? Sometimes we harbor anger. We become angry with God. Has anybody ever been angry with God? Amen. Amen. Been there myself. So we become angry with God. Disciples one time were angry with God. Lord, we, we left everything to follow you. Become angry with God. Jonah became angry with God. So that's one of the ways we deal with it. Also, we, we focus on someone to blame. We focus oftentimes when things don't go right on someone to blame. We blame God. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. We look for someone to blame when things are not going well. Well, here's the last part. What right choices should you make in tragedy? One, believe that God is sovereign over all. Believe that God is sovereign, which means he does whatever he wants, whenever he wants to. We sometimes forget that God is in absolute control. We cannot forget that whatever God allows is because he knows best. Second thing, trust God in the tragedy or circumstance even though you don't understand it. And that's difficult. Trust God no matter what happens even though you, you don't understand it. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8, 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. Also, finally, believe God will bring something good out of the heartache. Believe that God will bring something good out of the heartache. Bill Gates, you may not have known, his first business had failed, but God brought something good out of it. Albert Einstein could not speak um, for the first four years of his life. He didn't speak at all, and the teachers thought he was lazy and he thought he was dumb, but something good came out of it. Stephen King's first novel was rejected 30 times. In fact, he took the novel and threw it in his trash. His wife took the novel out of the trash and said, continue to write. But something good came out of it. Thomas Edison, we know as far as inventions, he um, fell over thousands and thousands of times before the light bulb was invented. Something good came out of it. So something good can come out of the tragedies. We need to look for it. God bless you. The moral of the story is don't give up. Don't give up. So now we will have a selection from the choir. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Let's have some church.
Every time I take a step Every time I take a step
on now. You can do better than that. Every time you turn around, the Lord just keep blessing you. I don't know, but guess what? I'm so glad he blessing me. It could be a new year, because he's going to continue to bless you every time you turn around. Woo! Woo! Come on. Praise him. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. This new year, we're going to praise him. We're going to rock the house. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I got to keep to the protocol. Oh, Lord, I'm tired now. Oh, I can't even breathe. Lord, have mercy. Well, who's the next speaker? Who's next? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now we will have the man from the choir, the one who just sings the song, keep blessing me, Minister Ken Holmes. The next word. Come on up here, kid. Come on, kid. To our pastor, Pastor Gordon, thank you, boss, thank you, pastor, leader, teacher, preacher. Uh, I'm not going to be before you long tonight. Uh, the, the last time I preached, someone got up while I was preaching and, and walked out on me. I said, where are you going? They said, I'm going to get a haircut. I said, I said why didn't you get one before I started? They said, I didn't need one then. <laughs> We're in the book of John, chapter 2. The book of John, chapter 2, very familiar scripture, and we're using for a thought tonight, drinks are on the house. Drinks are on the house. There's a party, there's an explosion, there's a wedding. In John, chapter 2, Jesus is performing his first public miracle, um, and the Bible says it happened on the third day. Uh, on the third day, the Jews believe was the day of double blessing, because when God was creating on the third day is the only day that he said it is good twice. So from extra biblical background and studies, the Jews understood that the third day was the day of double blessing. And they're getting married on the third day, and they run into a problem. Um, they run out of wine. They run out of wine. Um, they have been made aware of the problem, and now they acknowledge the problem. And before Jesus can do a miracle in your life, you have first have to come to grips that you need a miracle. Um, you first have got to come into grips that the wine is gone, the champagne is gone, and if God is going to step in, you've got to make an acknowledgement. Are you still here? Um, in 2015, if God is going to do a miracle, you've got to know where you are. When Adam fell, God said, Adam, where are you? If you're going to try to lose weight in 2015, you're going to have to step on the scale. I know you don't want to look at it, but you're going to have to look at it. If you're going to get out of debt in 2015, you have to grab your bills and a calculator and see where you are. Uh, they are made aware of the problem that they've run out of wine. They have acknowledged the problem, and then they ask for assistance. They go to Mary. They go to Mary, and Mary goes to Jesus. She goes to Jesus, and Jesus says, what do I have to do with this? My time has not yet come. Guess what? Guess what? You can have a relationship with Jesus and he will still tell you no. 
having a relationship with Christ does not exempt you from getting a no in your life. But Mary does something incredible and something unusual. Mary responds as if Jesus says yes. Application. When Jesus tells you no, respond as if he said yes. She said, whatever he says, do, just do it. So if you're asking for a job and God says no, say, I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. Come on, if you're praying for a man and he don't send you one, say, hallelujah, anyhow. Listen, because, listen, your positive response will quick up and put some FedEx on the no. When my kids ask me for something and I tell them no and then they get an attitude and fold their arms and start sucking their thumb, I say, well, I know I'm really not giving it to you now. But when I tell them no and they say, well, well, daddy, your will be done, I say, oh, put it in the cart. <laughs> Saying no, come on. When God gives you a negative, respond with a positive. Here we go. Watch this. Watch this. So Jesus gives them a recipe on how to make wine. He says three things you need to do. He says you need to fill up the water pots. One, you need to draw out and you need to bear to the governor. Three things you need to do. There's 180 gallons here. There's six empty water pots. They, and there's no, there, there, there's no faucets. There's no hoses. So they got to keep running to the river, keep running to the river, doing the same thing. Filling up these water pots, not seeing any results. Not getting any recognition, not seeing any reward. Can you be faithful in 2015 even when you're not getting results? I'm doing the same thing. I'm tithing. I'm trusting. I'm going to core. I'm listening to the word. And I'm not seeing anything. But when God tells you to do it, just do it. Even when you don't see anything getting done, fill it up. Step two, draw out. They draw it. Now, now watch this because this is when we shout and we shout the wrong time. They draw out water. They don't draw out wine. Because there's three steps to this miracle. Fill it. Draw it and bear it. They've only done 66% of it. Have you ever wanted a 100% miracle and you only did 66% of the equation? You wanted God to do a mighty miracle, but you've only done it halfway. God told you to quit the job and you went part-time. God told you to leave that joker alone. You just stopped sleeping with him. God told you to tithe. You gave 6.6%. God says, do it all. Well, I'm going to give you a gift right here, G-I-F-T. When God tells you to do something, do it godly, do it immediately, do it faithfully, and do it totally. So they fill it up, they draw it out, and there's water. Filling up did not take faith. They just took obedience. Drawing out did not take faith. Just took obedience. But step number three, now bear it to the governor because the governor is requesting wine. And I've got something in this picture that don't look like wine, don't smell like wine, don't feel like wine. And here's the dilemma, child of God. Do I trust Jesus and risk my life because I'm just a servant and the governor, the king, is asking for wine and you don't bring him water? You can risk your life. You can risk your livelihood. You can risk your living. Or do I not trust God 100%, just trust him 66% and say, you know what? Um, well, we got water. Maybe in 2015, you know, I'm not really going to trust God all the way. I'm just going to trust him halfway. And um, the wine never comes. You just settle 
in 2015 for having another year of an average life. No wine in 2015, no excitement in 2015 because I did not trust God all the way. I don't know what step it was, but he's walking to the governor. The servants are walking to the governor of the feast, the last instruction of this recipe. And they hand it to the governor. And the governor says, this wine is delicious. This is the best wine. You have saved the best wine for last. I want you to realize in 2015, if you can obey God and obey him godly and obey him immediately and faithfully and totally, God says, I will do something new in 2015 that ears have not seen, ears have not heard, eyes have not seen, nor has it entered into the hearts of men the great things that I have prepared for the ones who love me. Drinks are on the house in 2015. The servants knew what happened because the servants were blessed. And when you trust God, listen, not only will you be blessed, but a generation will be blessed. The bridegroom will blessed, and everybody, the congregation is going to be blessed. Trust God because the drinks are free, they're fresh, and they are forever. Amen. Now, now let me clarify now. Let me clarify. Drinks are free. We talk about spiritual drinks. Amen? Spiritual drinks. So now we have another word by another powerful speaker, Reverend Wayne Jones. Let's give it up for Reverend Wayne Jones. John chapter 3, verse 16. give honor to God and to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to my pastor, senior pastor, Dr. Gordon, and to all of you who are here, good evening. The traditional or the tradition of secret Santa, wealthy individuals who perform acts of charity through monetary means to unexpecting people, it had a certain twist to it this year. These secret Santas, these wealthy individuals, they partnered with law enforcement in an attempt to cultivate relationships between the law enforcement and community. As we all know, it's been some tension these past six months. Instead of pulling people over for traffic violations, they would pull over vehicles and give them money instead. When asked by a reporter if this effort to create or renew relationships between law enforcement and community if it would actually work. Secret Santa, this wealthy individual, he said, I'm not sure if it'll work or not. What I am sure of is that I've got five G's in my hand, and they would be foolish not to take it. And that's what I want to talk about. You'd be foolish not to take these five G's. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, my theological training teaches me to give integrity to the text. So just to keep this hermeneutically correct and homiletically structured, the text is not talking about money at all. God has five G's in this one verse, and he says, you be foolish not to take it. The first G, he says, it's right here in the text. It says, for God so loved the world. Stop right there. The first G he has for us is his grace. We know grace, um, uh, the grace of God, as being that of unmerited favor. 
Uh, it is the benefit of blessings that we don't deserve. Best defined by Jeremiah in chapter 31 when he says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. In other words, I didn't just love you or start loving you when you got saved. I loved you before you were saved. In fact, I loved you before you were born. I loved you before you were even conceived. I loved you before the foundations of the world. In fact, the very existence of me, that I have no beginning and have no ending, your love, my love for you was intertwined in my existence. He has always loved us. But not only does he have uh, the first, not only does he have uh, uh, um, this first G for us, this grace, but he says in, in the same verse, he says, that he gave, stop right there. The next G God has for us is his generosity. He gave in spite of us. He gave because of us. He knew what they would do to his son, but he gave anyway. He knew that his son would be beaten all night long, but he still gave. He knew that his son would be ridiculed and marked and mocked. He knew that his son would be whipped and flesh broken and strewn from his body, but he gave Anyway, he knew what his son would go through, but he gave, that's his generosity. But not only that, he says that he, excuse me, um, still in the same verse, for God so looked what he gave his only begotten son that now he says that he gave his only begotten son. The second gift or the third gift he wants to give to us is his, 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 this, I'm sorry, the third G he wants to give to us is his, this G of his gift. His gift is his son. He gave his most precious commodity, his son. Paul said in Romans 8.32, he says, He hath spared not his own son. He gave that thing which was most precious to him, he gave it to us. It was the gift that God has given to us. But this fourth G that God has for us is still right here in the verse, that whosoever believeth in him, he gives the gift of his gospel. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, he said, This I delivered unto you, I held nothing back. How that Jesus died according to the scriptures. He was buried and rose the third day according to the scriptures. And if any man, woman, boy, or girl would believe that message, God says that you're saved. He gives us this, this G, this, this gift of, of his gospel. But then this fifth, this fifth G that he gives, he says it's, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life is not just eternal existence. If that were so, then the devil and demons and even sinners would just live. But eternal life itself is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We've just come through the holiday season and we've been giving gifts. And God has placed eternal life in Jesus Christ. He hasn't placed it in Muhammad. He hasn't placed it in Buddha. He hasn't placed it in Harry Krishna or Charles Terrence Russell. What you need to get to heaven has been placed in Jesus Christ. And in order to get that eternal life, you've got to accept Jesus Christ. I may not know three things. I may not know two things. One thing I do know, that you would be foolish not to take these five Gs. God bless you. Amen, amen. The G's. Now we will have 
Derek Moore come up to do the next event. Amen. Derek Moore. Good evening. Don't look so serious. It's all right. It's New Year's. And I, I, we got to wake up. All right, let's, let's start this. When I say saint, you say Matthews. Can you do that with me? Saint. When I say saint, you say Matthews. Saint. When I say saint, you say Matthews. Saint. Oh, now you sound awake. All right. I have um, person I'm in introducing is, thank you. She's a young lady that's been here for years. She has done many marvelous things, and I can never say enough about it. She works here. She works hard, and I've seen her do a lot of things. So when she comes up, stand up, give the Lord a hand clap for her, and let's give her some praise because she's doing something that all of us wish we could do, which is talk in front of people about something that's from her heart. Amen? Tanya Fagans. Good evening, everyone. Give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I also want to give honor to our fabulous pastor. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here tonight. I'm simply just going to be doing a poetry piece tonight, and it's entitled New Year. Wow, a new year is upon us. Take this journey with me like we're on a bus. Fireworks cracking the sky. Some of us should be more concerned about Jesus cracking the sky, not being ready and being passed by. As we take this time and use it for reflection, we also tell ourselves that we're headed in a new direction. Whether it's weight loss, working out, or eating healthier, or if we're buying lottery tickets, trying to get wealthier. Wow, I could sign up for that gym membership and start working out four times a week, but you refuse to pick up your Bible, pray, and allow the Lord to speak. There's nothing wrong with getting your physical body right, but your spiritual life is more important, and I hope you realize that by the end of the night. We spend so much energy on what we can do in the new year, we end up turning deaf spiritually and we can't hear. Hmm, I can join that new social club and become more involved, but you won't even speak to your family, love your neighbors, and get your issues resolved. Oh, I can save up for that trip. So instead of tithing, as Pastor always says, you give God a tip. All in hopes of being on a beach in the clear water taking a dip, vacationing with someone you shouldn't be with, throwing up shots and taking sips. Some of us have the audacity to use that time and plan to creep, but you know you need to take yourself straight home and go to sleep. <laughs> I can only say these things because, hey, I've been there and I have done some stuff. I can spot some fakers out there, so I'm calling you bluff. It's time to turn over a new leaf and catch a dose of reality. Stop going into the new year with the same mentality. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So let the Lord make you over and just enjoy the view. God's trying to take you to the next level, but you keep looking back. Try to move on and get back on track. We need to get rid of those crippling habits because tricks are for kids, you silly rabbit. And all due respect, as the kids say, please have several seats. Sometimes history is not something you want to repeat. Like a cookie batter being stirred with a mixer, God has all the ingredients needed for your life because he's the fixer. In this new year, do your own little investigation. 
Please refrain from using superstition and astrology for your life decisions. Stop always looking for that next big New Year's resolution. In the new year, you need to look to Jesus, who's the ultimate solution. Be bold about being a Christian and let your light shine. Practice the word of God and stay encouraged because it does take time. Don't be a person wearing a disguise and acting like a Christian imposter. Keep bad company, nonsense, and ungodly things off your roster. Continue to reflect on the things that I've addressed today and get in gear. But please be safe. Continue to keep Christ first. And as always, have a happy new year. Great job, great job. Now, I have two things. One, I was told that I was allowed to give two jokes. Just two, I got how many seconds, Pastor? All right. So the first one says there were two men shipwrecked on the island. The first man was hollering and screaming, we're going to die, we're going to die. No, there's no food, there's no water, we're all going to die. The second man said, no, I'm just going to relax here on this tree. So the second man said, how can you be so calm? How can you be so calm? He said, I make $100,000 a week. Ooh. I said, but what does that have to do with this island? He says, I tithe 10% to that $100,000. My pastor will find me. Now, there was this one little boy that he had a family Bible. It was old, very old. And he fascinated. He was really fascinated by looking at the pages. And, and he would flip through the pages from time to time. And then suddenly, something fell out of the Bible. And he, he picked it up and he looked. He saw it was an old leaf. And he pressed it against it. He looked at it. And his mother said, what do you have there? He said, I found this leaf. And she said, oh, isn't that cute? And she said, well, what do you think? She said, the little boy said, um, Mom, I think it's Adam's underwear. <laughs> You'll get that on the way home. And next we have, moving right along. Where, where's the drum beat now? Where? Okay, our, our next event is going to be Godfather in the House is a clip. And um, you're going to have to look at the video screen. We're going to turn the lights down. And uh, don't nobody fall asleep. We're watching.
Let's give it up for our pastor and the crew. Great job. Next coming up is going to be Tamika Hurst. Tamika. And the Academy Award goes to. That was awesome. Giving honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to our awesome pastor who definitely deserves the Oscar. My name is Tamika Hurst, and up next we have a very special musical selection. Choir. Are you glad you made it, St. Matthews? 2014 is going out. 2015 is coming in by the grace of God. Come on.
vote? Please vote. Okay, very good. I'm so happy to introduce our next preacher tonight. He is someone I work very closely with at work every day. And he is very passionate about Jesus Christ. So the next voice you will hear is that of Reverend Roy Walker. Give honor to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to my pastor for this opportunity to say a word. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn your Bible to Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Acts 16, 25. Um, and it reads, verse 25, it says, and at midnight. Let's start, pause right there. At midnight. For a moment, I want to talk about when God intervened in your midnight. In our life, all of us are going through some type of midnight in our life, some type of pain or crisis in our life. And it's during those pain or crisis that God intervened in our life. You know what I mean? But, but those pain or those crises can be the most devastating thing in our life because it's when darkness roam in our life. Midnight is a, is a period of darkness. It's a period of crisis that brings pain, and that pain is intensified in our emotions. In Acts chapter, no, I'm sorry, in, in, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 20, you come to find out that at midnight, the death angel came. In first, in first Kings chapter 3, verse 20, you come to find out at midnight, this lady slept on her baby and her baby died, so she stole another baby. You come to find out also in Job 34, 20, Job said that trouble come to us at midnight. But it's right here in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, at midnight that trouble came. And see, in doing these midnight, God allowed trouble to come to the, di the disciples at the most trying time of their life. It's during that time that God is testing their faith versus God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty, you can never understand God's sovereignty until you're willing to go through God's pain. The problem is what we don't want to go through God's pain. But see, God wants you to understand something. And you know what it is? Let me check something. In the next hour, it'd be midnight. And I guarantee you, some of us will take some of our past into 2005. That pain or that problem, whatever it is, we will carry it into the new years. And that past will haunt you if you don't know how to handle it. So there's three things I want to tell you tonight that you need to understand that God is in control. The first thing I want to tell you is this. The situation, the sacrifice, but the sovereignty. You need to understand one, the situation. And what the situation is this. You cannot let your situation dictate your future. You must come to realize your situation. Jesus said this, in our life, we're going to have tribulation. And Job 14.1, Job said, our life will fill of trouble. We're going to have trouble. It's right here that Paul and Silas are in prison. Now, what, what, what is your problem? What is your prison? Is it a bad marriage? A bad relationship? Wayward children? Financial problems? unmet need, your hurt, or unforgiveness. We got some type of some type of wound that's carrying us in 2015. But you got to understand, no matter what's going on in your life, God got control of your life. But not only understand your situation, 
and understand the fact that guess what? If you don't control your situation, if you don't deal with unforgiveness, if you don't let it go, it will destroy you. But the second thing is this, your sacrifice. You kind of find out right here in, in Acts chapter six, 16, you know what they did? They offered up a praise. You can't not let your situation dictate your worship. The problem with people today is, guess what? This situation deceived them, distract them, and even damaged them. Because they're focused on this situation. The Bible says, I will offer up the praise of sacrifice. We got to praise the Lord in spite of our situation. We can't let our situation get the best of us. We got to praise him. Dave said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise should be in my mouth. I will make a boast of the Lord. The humble will hear it and be glad. Why, David? Because I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my pain, all my problems, all my situation. I don't know about you, but guess what you're saying? You say, well, I can't praise the Lord. I got bills. You can't let your bills stop you from praising the Lord. Look here, look, I'm sorry. Suppose God would have sent you a bill. Suppose God would have sent you a bill for allowing the radiance of the sunshine to touch your face. Suppose God would have sent you a bill for dispatching his angel to keep you and your family safe. Suppose God would have sent a bill for keeping your thalamus in control. Suppose God would have sent you a bill for keeping mess out of your hypothalamus. Because God would have sent a bill for keeping mess out of your mandula and blangata. Suppose God would have sent you a bill. So we got to understand this, guess what? Not only do we understand the situation, not only do we have a sacrifice, but guess what? The next thing we do is this. We got to understand God's sovereignty. Okay, the Bible says in Psalms 31, 15, my time is in the hands of the Lord. You got to realize that your time is in the hands of the Lord. That nothing's going to happen in your life unless God allow it to happen. So guess what? We got to stand and stand strong. I don't know about you, but I'm going to stand. I'm not going to let my situation weigh me down. I'm going to hold on and hold out and watch God work it out. But let me tell you something. The reason why we can't, you know why? Because we have problems. Understand, guess what? We got internal problems and external problems. Internal problem is this. We allow too much people to put poison, poison inside our life. You can't let people come put poison in you. you know why? Because it will come out of you. So you got to stop it. But not only that, you can't allow people around you to mess you up. I'm tired of letting people who call themselves spiritual mess my life up. I'm not going to let that do all. I'm going to stand and trust the Lord. And what do you got to do? You got to stand and trust God. You got to hold on. You know why? Because in Acts chapter 16, verse 26, the Bible said at midnight, God starts shaking stuff. I don't know about you, but in 2015, God going to start shaking some mess out of my life, out of your life. All we got to do is stand and watch God work it out. God bless. shake some things out of our lives. Amen? And we're going to say goodbye to them and move forward in Christ. Up next is our very own faithful Reverend Luther Jackson. Amen? You're true and only Mo Green. Amen? 
giving all honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to our senior pastor, Dr. Raymond Maurice Gordon, Sr. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity to teach your people. Uh, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Just a wave to my wife, my lovely wife here, to acknowledge her presence, and we are going into another year together. Amen? I want to just thank God for that. For marriage today is very precious. And a woman today is even more precious. Amen? The goal of, uh, before I get to the goal, let us have a word of prayer. Merciful Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we come to you this evening thanking you for the privilege and honor to stand before my pastor and your people, thus saith the Lord. Give all of us a humble heart and an attentive ear that we may glorify you. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, we pray with thanksgiving. Let all of God's people say amen. Amen. The goal, the goal, the goal of every Christian is being like Christ. But Paul tells us in Philippians 3.13, he says, Brethren, I don't consider myself having apprehended this thing. In, in other words, Catalamo says, I don't consider myself to take hold of or cease this thing to win it or catch up or understand or grasp it. I, I just have not arrived at being like Christ. And how can Paul say this? And Paul wrote, wrote 13 books in the, out of 27 in the New Testament. He could have wrote uh, 14. Paul and Peter uh, in jail together. The cells opened up. Paul was healed some blind people. Paul healed some sick people. Paul brought some people back to life. Paul had many, many missionary journeys. Paul planted churches here and there and everywhere. But when he says the, the, he says the goal of every Christian is being like Christ, but I can't get my hand around it. I can't get my hand around it. I've done all of these things. Christ, Christ Jesus evangelized Paul himself in person. Christ knocked him off his horse and blinded him and, and let the scales come off his eyes and sent him on a Christian journey to learn to turn him 360 degrees. But Paul says, I still have not grasped this as to what it is being like Christ. Well, let me come to tell you what he says in two parts. But one thing I do, part A is saying, one thing I do, part A said, forgetting what lies behind me. And the other part says, I'm going to reach toward what lies ahead. I come to tell you this evening, I don't have very long, but you got to forget that mess in 2014. You got to forget how many times you cussed. You got to forget how many times you did not pay. You got to forget the hotel room you were in when you thought the brown grass was green. But when you turned the light on, it was still brown. See, you got to forget the trouble you caused. You got to forget the married folks you're hanging around with. You got to forget 
the friends and some of the family you got to witness to. You got to forget all that mess that you've done. You got to forget how you've been bragging and, and, and talking about people. You got to forget how you talked about pastor when he's doing the best he can. You got to forget all this mess that you've done in the past. I come to tell you, you got to reach in 2015 to Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, you necessarily, Lord, you come into my life and save my life tonight. See, we got to get on our feet and give the Lord some praise. See, you got to praise him for his grace. You got to praise him for his mercy. See, some of you he delivered. Some of you was driving 85 miles an hour on bald tires, but your car could have turned over, but he blocked it. See, some of you were somewhere you shouldn't have been, and you should have gotten shot, but the Lord blocked it. You see what I mean? So it's time to get on your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise, for he is a good God. He is a faithful God. He is a kind God. He is an almighty God. He is an all-time God. There's nobody like Jesus Christ, for he's worthy, worthy, worthy of all praise. He's worthy, worthy of all honor. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting me free. I was young and I was old. I was, I've never seen it. Righteous forsake or the needy beckon bread. All I got to say, when you reach for something, have Christ in your heart. See, Moses tried to deliver the Hebrews from Israel, but he didn't have Christ in his heart. So he ended up killing a man. And then he had to run for 40 years. But see, God had his hand on him right then. See, they could have shot him. They could have stabbed him. They could have cut his head off. But they didn't because Jesus blocked it. And all I come to tell you, Jesus blocked a lot of our stuff in 14. That's why we need to get on our feet and keep on giving you some praise. I come to tell you. See, Job said, and I'm going to take my seat. Job said, when he had trouble, Jesus said, shut up, Job. And listen to me, if you can't do this, then shut your mouth up. Can you raise your voice to the clouds and make them cover you with a flood of rain? Shut up, Joe. Can you send a lightning bolt on their way? See, will they say to you, here we are. See, who put wisdom in people's inner parts? Who gave understanding to the mind? See, who by wisdom can number the clouds? And who can tilt the water skin of heaven so that the dust become a mass of mud? See, only Jesus can do these things. Everything we do, we need to depend on Jesus. repeat after me. Reach. Say it again. Everybody repeat after me. Reach for Jesus Christ. 
That's right, 2015, we need to be focused on Christ. Amen? Next, we have a musical selection.
the Lord for our next preacher tonight is someone very dear to me because he was here in our youth department working as the counselor way back when and is still serving in the youth ministry. So I'm proud to introduce and have come up next, Reverend Tony Tyler. Praise the Lord, church. First, give an honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has gifted me with this gift to be here today. To my pastor, who is absolutely the best pastor ever. <laughs> to the members of the pulpit and my beautiful wife. Stand up, baby. I want you to stand up. That's my wife, y'all, right there. It's special for me because this is the first time since we've been married, since we just got married this year, that she's here as I'm preaching the New Year's service, so praise God for that. And to all of you are here, if you have your Bibles, I want to start reading, but meet me there. We're going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and it reads, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, and to them that have attained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. According to his divine power, have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Whereby we are given unto us, whereby given unto us great and precious promises that these may be, that we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in this world through lust. Let's pray. Dear Grace and Father, Lord, we pray, Lord and Father, that you would bless this time and this word that you allowed to go forth by the preacher behind the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For many of us, we look at the end of the year as a way of escape, a hope to find a change, a desire to leave things behind. We burst into the new year with determination to make this one better than the last. But sadly, for most, we'll end up in this new year much like the previous, trying to get out of it and start again. Our language begin to change as we approach the coming of a new year sounding like a skipping record from 2011 to 2012 and from 2013 to 2014. It kind of sounds like this. This year, it's going to be a change around here. I ain't taking that no more. This year, I'm going to lose some weight. This year, fill in the blanks. The problem is that we have a true desire to change, but fail to act on a knowledge we have to be successful in the process. Newsflash for you. You don't need to buy another weight loss video to lose weight. Just use the one you already purchased. You don't need a, a new Bible to get closer to the Lord. Just blow the dust off the one you already have. 
You don't need to join another church to be effective in ministry. Just get involved in the one you're already a member of. You don't need to watch yourself trying to invest in all kinds of things when you ain't even tithing. See, we try to change things every new year without adding any change to our lives. Our change is more of a verbal rather than an action. Our New Year's Eve resolution usually don't last longer than two days. Some of us got wise. We made a resolution not to make a resolution. This way we can't fail at the resolution. So we should be operating in so much knowledge that when we are coming to the close of a year, we should be trying to hold on to that year because it was so good that we don't want the goodness to end. But because we keep recycling the same old troubles, we're trying to get out of this one, hoping the next one will be better than the one we just left. So for a moment, I want to talk to you on a quick topic. Knowledge without action is wasted information. Knowledge without action is wasted information. Much in the same way Peter is encouraging us to operate in a secure knowledge of knowing who we are, who we belong to, how we belong to that person, and the benefits of being a member. So as we go into the new year, I want to encourage you on four G's. I ain't got five. So if y'all get it all together by the time you leave, you'll have at least nine G's. The first one is God's precious faith. The second one is God's grace. The third is God's peace. And the fourth is God's promises. Look at chapter 1, verse 1. The first thing you see Peter is telling us is that we hopefully have an attained faith, precious faith, as he, as he has. Important to remember that that faith that we have is not something that we earn. It is given to us. It is obtained. Why is that important? Because if you do not act on the fact that God has given you faith, you will constantly struggle coming out of 2014, going in 2015 with the same problem when God said, just have faith. But you are not having faith, so it's worrying you. Not only do we have a precious faith, we also have a precious grace. God's grace is given to us even though we don't deserve it. God's grace is given to you so that even when you are struggling and you're going through something because you're arguing with God, he still has grace with you. See here, let me show you what I'm talking about. When we are sitting here and we're going with a rejection of God, anybody ever rejected God? How about a rebellion against God, ignored God, neglected him, Curse God, just disobey God, deny God, question God, sin against God. If I ain't named something you did, you probably lying. Because the fact is that all of us fall somewhere in there. But God's grace gives you the ability to get up and say, God, I know I did this wrong. God, I know I'm out of line with you. But your grace, Lord, secures me that if I act in the knowledge of knowing that I have your grace, then I can take up the peace that you promised me. And see, in that peace that he promised, that peace will provide for you. 
That peace will guide you when you're going through something. But you've got to take action in believing that it will do that. It will strengthen you. It will sustain you. It will deliver you. It will encourage you. It will save you. It will provide a real life for now and forever. But you've got to take action. You've got to believe in what God has given you. You've got to believe in the word that he's given you. And if you can do that, then you can rest on the promises. See, the promises says where we are given unto exceeding great and precious promise, whereby these might, that ye might be partakers of a divine nature. See, you guys don't understand. If you ain't shouting right now, the problem is you ain't taking in the knowledge of what this means to you. See, God has given you a divine nature. God has given you a divine promise. He is keeping that promise with you. So as you go into 2015 and I take my seat, look to your partner and say, just take action. Amen. Just take action. I love, I can't wait to get out of here and tell people I went to church and I got nine G's. <laughs> it's a great outreach tool right there. Speaking of outreach, someone who was very involved in our outreach ministry as well as our marriage ministry here at St. Matthew's, our next speaker is Reverend Gary Tunstall. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you. Thank you for this word that went forth. Pray that you will bless us. Your word will fall on fertile ground. Change our minds, wills, and attitudes to be the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First, giving honor to, my, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to our pastor. Thank you, pastor, for this opportunity to share on New Year's Eve. To my wife, thank you for your encouragement. And to all you, I want to say Happy New Year. Today, tonight, real quick, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Find this. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. This quotation is taken from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. But use a topic this evening I'd like to use. It, it remains to be seen in 2015. Looking back over 2014, you and I can agree to the fact that in a saved life, we've experienced our ups and downs. We've often discovered that God has given us mountaintop experiences, but yet realizing that most of his inside work is in the valley. However, it's here in these valley experiences, you and I find ourselves disgruntled, displaced, and oftentimes depressed. Whether you want to confess it or not, it's practical with every born-again believer. If we can be honest with ourselves for one moment, there are times that we felt that our prayers were paralyzed. We were troubled in our trials, fractured in our feelings, and when it was all said and done, left us with a sense of doubt and despair. But thank God it doesn't end there. The Word of God reminds us that weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. Our text this evening, written by the Apostle Paul to this church of Corinth, founded on his second missionary journey. Paul, as we can remember, was transformed by the power of God on that Damascus road, coming in contact with our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Paul gives you and I a practical example of what it means to be sold out for Jesus. Coming out of a life of Judaism, Paul finds himself preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Chapter 2 of verse 9 of 1 Corinthians is couched as beautiful verse. It's been so often quoted, yet brings such a refreshing awareness of confidence and trust in Almighty God. For a brief moment this evening, I want to share from these three points as we go into the new year, a focus on his person, fortified in his purposes, and a faith that's grounded in his promises. As we read verse 1 of chapter 2, the Bible says, Paul said, I, brethren, came to you not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul writes this 18, uh, Acts chapter 18, 1 through 18, is the backdrop of this epistle. The Bible says in 18.4 of Acts that he reasoned in a synagogue every Sabbath and he persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. We see Paul's public ministry had flourished throughout Corinth. Paul spent approximately 18 months there spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our aim and our goal for this year is to tell others about Jesus Christ. You may not see the direct results. The Bible says one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. Believe it or not that you are a walking billboard for Jesus Christ. People are reading you as you work, walk through your workplace. People are reading you in your neighborhood. People are reading you as you walk through the store. You are a walking billboard, and I don't know what you're advertising, but you should be advertising Jesus Christ. Verse 1 and 2, he says, we focus on his person, but 3 and 4 is, is fortified in his purpose. Based on his zeal for God, the Apostle Paul is not only commissioned, but he's committed to reaching a lost, dying world for Jesus Christ. It's the same token for all born-again believers. We are commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, and no matter what we're facing in life, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, he says, Let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify thy Father which is in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 35, When I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Jesus said, well, you did it unto the least of these little ones. You've done it unto me. In closing, we looked at a focus in 2015 of his person. We want to be fortified in his purposes. But last but not least, in order to accomplish these first two areas, we need a faith that is grounded in his promises. You and I need not to forget our outward man perish, but our inward man is renewed day by day. Paul reminds you and I that we walk by faith and not by sight. A good qualifier is this, that my faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of Almighty God, calling things that be not as though they already are. The reality is that born-again believers, we, we don't make New Year's resolutions, but we do make Christ-centered declarations. Not only believing the word, but being able to make declarations according to the promises of his word. Thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. 
and a light unto my path. Thy word will not return unto him void. So with that being said, as you prepare to go into New Year's, our faith is grounded in his promises. What promises? He that begun a good work in you will keep on doing it until the day of Jesus Christ. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly before him. And we know that all things are working together for the good, for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against me, God said he'll condemn it in the day of judgment. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts above your thoughts. Jesus left in, 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 in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, this saying, Therefore, whosoever hear these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, because it was founded on a rock. Verse 26, Everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended and the floods came. The winds blew and beat upon the house. And it fell because great was the fall. Now in 2015, you've heard the word. I'm going to focus on his person. I'll be fortified in his purposes. But most of all, I got a faith that's grounded in his promises. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For without faith, it's impossible to please him. Your faith better be grounded in the promises. We got some turbulent times ahead. My faith is grounded in Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't our, didn't our reverends preach? They preached tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Christ-centered declarations. I'm going home with that. Did y'all have a good time so far? Y'all having a good time? Praise the Lord. Thank God for our pastor and changing up the service a little bit. And right now we have a great skit prepared for you. So, Agwanda, if you would come. Hello again, everyone. Hello again, everyone. So I want you to imagine that you received a letter from two very good friends who were both just killed in a horrible accident. What would the letter say? Where would they be coming from? Imagine that the last time you saw your two friends was the last time that you saw your two friends. Did you tell them everything that you wanted to say to them? 
Did you tell them that you loved them? Did you tell them that you appreciated them? But most importantly, did you tell them about Jesus? Dear friends, I died today. It's a lot different than I expected. I always thought dying would bring me to a world that's foggy and hazy, but this place is crystal clear. It's even more real than my life on earth. I can think, I can talk, I can even feel. Right after the accident, I could feel my spirit leaving my body. I felt safe. After standing in this long line, they asked me for my name. They looked in this book they called the Book of Life. They found my name in the book. Only those whose names are written in the book of life will see heaven. All others will be condemned to hell forever. They opened the gates and they welcomed me in. I even heard trumpets and harps playing. Everyone, I mean, everyone here is smiling. Even Mr. Smith, our old supervisor, remember him? He was always so mean. Last I heard, he had a heart attack. He must have accepted Jesus like I did, because now he's just here smiling away. You know, I've been thinking. You know what I've been thinking about? You. You're a Christian. You told me so yourself. We talked about it three different times this week. Steve bought it up and called you a church girl. Tiffany bought it up. It came up again right before the accident. So I've been thinking, I mean, I really can't get it out of my head. I'm so glad that you told me how to become a Christian. You really are a true friend. You told me. What you knew about Jesus. Wow. Thank you. You even invited me out on your church events. I had no idea Kim went to. And here I thought she was stuck up. I hear them coming for me. Their footsteps walking down the hall. My heart is beating out of my chest. I'm so excited. I never felt so much joy. They're coming in and pointing at me. They're holding out their hands to me, and I'm so eager to grasp them. I feel like I'm going to burst from happiness. Wow. It's amazing. They're taking me where everyone's gathered around this throne, and I can see it. It's beautiful. It shines like an emerald, and there's a rainbow around it. Wow. There's someone sitting on the throne. He has the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. Wow. This is amazing. This is amazing. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's smaller thrones surrounding this really big one. Everybody's all dressed in white and with crowns of gold on their head. 
This is it. I made it. I made it. I made it. Hallelujah. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Church, say amen. amen. Come on, let's get the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. You may be seated. Praise the name of Jesus. Boy, didn't we have a night tonight? Hallelujah. Didn't these preachers preach? Come on, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, let's... Let's give him, come on, come on, come on. Hallelujah. My Lord, let me first give honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're coming up on the 12 o'clock hour. I, uh, I was sitting back there just taking notes, writing meditating, thanking God for the talent, the spirituality, the willingness, the participation, the ingeniousness of putting this entire format together. And I, I, I am just uh, thankful and um, praising God from whom all blessings flow. I need to say that um, um, with time, Tanya, Tanya put this entire program together. Baby, we love you. Thank you. Amen. And Tanya and Tamika. Now, Tamika's still here. Where'd Tamika go? She flew in the back. Let's, let's get Lord a hand clap for that. Amen. And um, the powerful preaching. The powerful preaching, amen. Dan Spencer, how to use your gift. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and then Reverend Jacob started off with how to use your vessel. Praise God. And um, thank God for Dan opening up the gift. I'll get it together. And, uh, and, and Chris Bennett, you are so heavy. And Job and all of this sin against God. Thank God for that. Amen. And uh, thank God for Kent with uh, drinks on the house. Thank God for you, boy. 
Praise God. And uh, please distinguish what drinks you're talking about. And then five G's. Thank God. Amen. And and uh, all and, and Luther Jackson. I want to thank God for him. Amen. Praise God. He has not yet apprehended. And then he started hopping around, and I was trying to take notes. I don't know what's going on. Thank you, brother. Love you. He filled in for Cleve. Tony, thank you, man. Praise God. Great message from Peter. I appreciate that. And uh, your lovely wife. I know she helped you out. Praise the Lord. Thank God for her. And uh, Roy, great job, Roy. Great job. Praise God. Uh, I have a little hard time. Uh, I, I got to tune Roy in because he starts off with that velvet voice. But I just want to thank God. Great, great job. All of the preachers, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Great, great job. Amen. And then Tunstall. Tunstall, Tunstall, Tunstall. Tunstall, Tunstall. Praise God. Put the icing on the cake and we thank God. Amen. From whom all blessings flow. I appreciate not only the poetry, which was awesome. Let's give Tanya another hand clap. Poetry was profound, and the play was profound. Hallelujah. Amen. And let me say this to you. If you think that play was a joke, you are out of your mind. Amen. We all will face Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and I want to thank the young, the young adults for putting that together. Such an awesome, awesome pro. And our praise dancers, they were off the hook. Amen. Thank God. Thank God for them. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, you know, because in the Baptist church, you miss somebody, you, you're doomed. And our choir. Oh, my God. Choir. Choir. Praise God. Let me say this to you. Three things I want to kind of leave with you. We need to have a new outlook in 2015. That is, where are you going? And then you need to have a new outreach. Whom are you touching? And you need to close with a new outcome. Where will you end up? Three things we need, in fact, to consider um, three things that we need to thank God for. But I was sitting back there listening, and I, I'm always amazed at the prophet Jeremiah because Jeremiah is a lot like me. Jeremiah fuss, and then he'll praise. He'll get upset. Then he'll have joy. Peter, Jeremiah, those biblical characters who um, approached God with reality. That every day is not in heaven. We're not of this world. We, we have these roller coaster lives. And I was looking at Lamentations 3, and Jeremiah talks about his dilemma in verses 19 and 20. He says, remembering mine 
affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Just, just think of what Jeremiah is saying. That God, as Roy said in his sovereignty, allows pain to come into our lives. And you know what that pain ends up doing? Humbling us. It brings us down to where we need to be. And he moves from the dilemma to the next verse, which is my soul, verse 20, hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. That's, that's his development. He sees, he moves from dilemma to development that God is multifaceted. God is a purposeful God. That when things happen to us in the negative, God's doing something to move to the positive. Do I have a witness? 2014, you may have experienced some negative. Amen. God says, I'm moving this to a positive. And then he closes with a deliverance, 22 and 23. It, uh, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. New mercies they bring. Listen to pastor. I received a call this week from a lady I've been knowing all my life. Went to school with her oldest son while I was in the military in the 70s. Her youngest son became a gangster. And he's in prison for double murder. He'll never see daylight again. And his mother is 90 and she got a message to me and said, tell Pastor I watch him every week on TV and I wanna, I'm praying that my son in jail would receive Jesus Christ. Now last year I talked to her son in jail. I know him since he was a little boy. Here's the truth. It's not how you start out. It's how you end up. And if we're gonna end up in heaven, if we're going to end up with Jesus, if we're going to end up victoriously, you must come to the fountains of living water. You need Jesus in your life. You can walk out here tonight, you go to cabaret, you can party, you can go up and down the street. If you die in your sins, you're going to hell. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So what I want to do tonight, if you're here, I want you to be honest with God and with yourself. I want us to stand on our feet. We're getting ready to bring New Year in prayer. I want you to bow your heads, and I want you to take an assessment based on the poetry, based on the play, based on the singing, based on the preaching. If you are not saved tonight, not born again, not blood washed, Jesus has never come into your life, just put your hand in the air. Just raise your hand on this New Year's Eve night. Say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I need to be saved. I need to know I'm going to heaven. Is there one? Just, just raise your hand. Is there one? 
Jesus Christ is Lord. I see your hand. If your hand is raised, come on up. Come on up. Don't worry about these other people. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. Come on up. Come on. Come on. Come on up. Bless the Lord. Come on up. Angels are shouting right now. Come on up. Come on up. That's right. Come on up. Praise the Lord. Is there another? I want balcony. I want you to step out. Is there another? Just step out. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Just step out. You need Jesus. He died for your sins and burned and rose again. He wants to save you. He's not going to keep calling you. You must take the step of faith. Jesus, I need to be saved. I need you to come into my life. I believe you died for my sins. He's buried and rose again. Is there another? God bless you. I'm going to ask the group to follow Chris Bennett, please. Thank you for coming up. Lord bless you. Praise Jesus. Bless the Lord. All right. If you can make your way around this altar, come on around the altar. Come on. Amen. If you can make your way around the altar, come on. Come on. Come on. We're going to come on. We're going to pray in this new year in the name of Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. If necessary, just stay where you are. Let's look to the Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Father, we come in the name of the Lord Jesus. And first and foremost, Lord, we come confessing our sins that we have sinned against you in 2014 in thought, word, deed, motive, and attitude. We have fallen short of your glory. We have complained, we have murmured, we have acted out, we've acted in, we've done things, said things, thought things we should not have done. And in the name of Jesus and by the power of your shed blood, we say, Lord, we're wrong and you're right. We've sinned and forgive us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And in God, we thank you for a new year. Thank you for 2015. Thank you for sparing our lives. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for starting us on our way. Thank you for bringing us to church. Thank you for St. Matthew's. Thank you for the preaching we heard. Thank you for the play we saw. Thank you for the poetry we heard. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that you would lead God and direct us. We pray that you would bound Satan and everything not like us Lord God in the name of Jesus we pray for higher heights and deeper depths in the name of Jesus we, we pray for living water we pray for bread from heaven Lord God heal our hurts heal our minds heal our hearts heal our wills in the name of Jesus give us a new outlook Lord give us a new mindset that God we want to live for you God, I pray, Jehovah Rapha, that you would bring healing to our being, that you would move mightily among these thy people. God, that you would strip us 
of anything not like you that you would just take off anything not like you that God you would have your way in our lives we pray in the name of Jesus not only for healing but for health we pray Lord God that when we leave this place and, and go down from this place that we will have a new walk and a, a new mind and a new heart and a new will Lord God we ask that you would put somebody in our lives for us to touch, somebody to witness to, somebody to pray for, somebody to bear burdens in the name of Jesus. We need an out, a new outlook and a new outreach, but God, we need a new outcome. We need to come to a place of blessing, to a place of refuge, to a place of delight. Moved by your spirit. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for another opportunity. Thank you for being a God of grace. Bless every home under my voice. Bless every child under my voice. Bless every grandchild under my voice. Put a hedge around us in the matchless name of Jesus. That which is damaged, heal it and fix it. That which is messed up, oh God, raise it up and make it right. That which is sick, Bring wellness to uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Bless our church. Bless this ministry. Bless the vision. Bless these thy people, God. And we thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for the victory. And we're walking in victory right now. We're going to leave right here things that would hinder. And we're going to walk in victory. In the matchless, miraculous, exalted name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Let's give Lord a hand clap. Happy New Year. Hallelujah. Now listen, hold up, hold up. Don't move, don't move. Don't move. Father, bless the food that has been prepared. Give Journey's mercies back home in Jesus' name. Around the FLC gym, we got wings, we got chicken, we got black-eyed peas, we got greens, we got uh, 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 mac cheese and all that. Go around and get something to eat. It's free. You ain't got to pay. But we are collecting tithes next Sunday. God bless you. Go around. We love you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.